Welcome to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast for couples who struggle with infertility and want to fulfill their dreams of becoming parents. To access previous episodes packed with ideas, solutions and tips that actually work, head over to Dr. Chapman's IVF podcast on iTunes. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1-800-111-483 or by emailing him, michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. Hi, this is Professor Chapman. Recently we've been doing some Facebook Live sessions where I've been answering questions from the listeners and participants. What you're about to hear now is some audio of those segments and I hope they'll be useful for you. Okay, let's talk about pregnancy. This, is, this talk will be about the outcome of pregnancies after IVF. I'll start by saying that the babies and the pregnancies after IVF are probably the most studied pregnancies ever <laughs> because we started off the, the journey with IVF back in 1978, early 80s, with IVF being very experimental. And we didn't know that what we were going to do. Were we going to produce monsters by, in the laboratory, choosing an egg and choosing a sperm to assist in conception? So... We were all terrified about what the outcomes might be in, in these treatments. And, in fact, that's why we set up monitoring processes. And Australia led the way, in fact, in 1982 by having a national database so we could see if there were problems with babies that we produced with IVF. And since that time, there must be thousands of articles published about the, the outcomes of babies from IVF. And that particular article talks about prematurity. There are a number of reasons why babies get born early, and I don't think IVF is one of them as a uh, factor. Um, the evidence doesn't support it. So I disagree that's the case. There is prematurity, and there are two main factors that contribute to prematurity. And that the first is multiple pregnancy. That used to be a major problem around the world. It's getting less, thankfully, but um, the, the incidence of twins or above in Australia peaked at around 25% of all IVF cycles, around about 2,000, so we're talking 25 years ago. 25% uh, of cycles were twins, and we know that twins deliver prematurely. So that gave two problems. Firstly, it meant that neonatal intensive care units were much busier. And secondly, which is a healthcare problem to the general population as well as to the IVF people. Uh, and secondly, if a baby delivers prematurely, it's got four times the chance of cerebral palsy, brain damage, and it also has twice the chance of actually losing one of those two babies. The trend around the world, and again, Australia has led the way we have the lowest twin rate in IVF clinics in the world, running at about 2.5% to 3% today, compared with 25% a long time ago. And that's because we now only put one embryo back to play safe. As much as twins sound wonderful, the outcomes are not so good. 
So that's one reason why prematurity will still be there as in an overall situation with IVF. Secondly, these pregnancies are very precious. People have struggled to get pregnant. They've struggled through IVF. They've struggled to have a, a pregnancy that's going well. <clears throat> and the doctors looking after and obstetrically these IVF pregnancies are much more cautious. So if there's any reason to deliver a baby early because it's not doing quite as well as it should, we take that risk. It's a balance, but it, it is there. So even for singleton pregnancies, babe, the time of delivery is overall slightly earlier, only by 10 days or so compared with the ordinary population. There is a slight increase in prematurity from that perspective. When we go beyond that prematurity issue, because prematurity, if it's, if it's after 36 weeks in today's society, with the, with the healthcare provision we have in nurseries and in the neonatal nurseries, really having a baby over 36 weeks isn't that different from having a baby at the right time. But they still get called premature. It's the very early ones that we worry about, and that predominantly is around twins. Once the baby is born, again, as I said earlier, these babies have been watched really carefully over in the last 30 years. In fact, there are cohorts of 30-year-old IVF babies in Melbourne that are being watched even now. And what are they showing? These children are no different to the general population. We're all very relieved about that. In one study, they actually have a higher achievement academically than the background population, which is interesting. In terms of their mental stability, again, they are as good as or even better than the general population. And you can understand that because if you're an IVF baby or you're the parents of an IVF baby, you're going to be looking after that baby really well. You're going to be getting going to the right schools. You've put a lot of effort in. They are loved babies. They have to be to get where they've got. In terms of minor physical abnormalities, there is a very slight, I've just seen some data pub, uh, that will be published. No, sorry, it's just been published. I have a co-author of it, suggesting that very some of the urogenital problems slightly increase abnormalities with the, the um, urethra and the bladder. And what that's shown is that the if the incidence in the general population, I think, is 19 per 10,000 babies with IBF and, and ICSI, it runs out at about 25 to 30, so per 10,000. So that's an extra 10 or 15 cases for every 10,000 babies born. None of these are life-threatening things, and none of them are, are particularly nasty. But it's there, and the question is whether it's um, related to the to infertility itself, because certainly if a male has poor sperm and that's part of the urogenital problem, but still enough to get a pregnancy in a subfertile population, if they can, if they have a higher incidence, that may be the reason. In fact, that's what the data showed that if you were having difficulty getting pregnant, but you did get pregnant, you had a similar rate of abnormality to IVF itself. So we're pretty reassured overall that babies that we produce through IVF, while slightly overall slightly premature, there are good reasons for those, 
and that congenital abnormalities are slightly higher but minimal and that the long-term development of these children appears to be almost above average. And we're very happy to be saying to patients, IVF is safe. And don't forget that you can access all the previous episodes by going to our website www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. Thank you for listening to The IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast which helps couples negotiate their way through the IVF journey all the way to parenthood. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1-800-111-483 or by emailing him, michael.chapman at ivf.com.au.